Look at the next statement. Atheism is the enemy of science. A lot of people worship science as though that is where it's at. No, it's not where it is. If it's false, it's still damaging. And a lot of scientists believe in evolution. You know, a lot of them don't believe in evolution. I don't have to be a scientist to know that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. I'd be a fool not to believe it. I'd be a fool not to believe it. God says what's right. God says what's wrong. Just believe what God said. Now look at that. The American Association for the Advancement of Atheism is operating as a wrecking company of Christian morals. The American Association for the Advancement of Atheism deliberately published their pleasure in them that do evil and express the hope that one representative from their camp may undo the work of a score of missionaries, and that a few thousand dollars spent in the circulation of their infamous literature may offset millions spent by the churches. And you think, here we are, we come to church, and we teach the Bible an hour. And then we let them have our children for four, five, six, seven hours a day, five days a week, for 12 years. Do you think that what we're doing in one hour is going to override all that they do. It's not going to happen. That's why whatever's taught at home, whatever's taught in the church, and whatever's taught in the school should all be the same. Kids ought not learn one thing in church and another thing at home and another thing in school. Three-legged stool. You take away any one of those and it will not stand. That's why you need these three-pronged Everything teaching the same so that kids will have a good, balanced education. They'll know who they are, where they came from, and what they're supposed to be doing. Our kids today are not getting this because the parents did not get this. And we're losing our country. We're losing our freedoms. All that you see, all these riots and things are going to, is a lack of moral compass. They don't know what is right anymore. They don't know what's wrong. They're like a mob being controlled by a, a few elites that's turning them upside down and treating them like cattle because they can't reason and think for themselves. Anyway, I know that sometimes my convictions leak out just a little bit. Look at the next statement. Civilization has not been the product of atheism. There's not an emboldening, ennobling influence known to humanity that is not the emphasized product of Christianity. You talk about, uh, was it atheists who started the Red Cross? Was it atheists that started the Salvation Army? No. Is it the atheists that started the hospitals and all the missions and things like that to reach people, you know, the rescue mission? It's believers in a God. Because the others, they don't care. You're just an animal anyway. We have something that we believe in and believe it's most important. Look at this little statement. It's right in the middle of this paragraph. The Christian faith with its one and true God and its wonders and true book, has brought to the world more light and has given to living men more happiness than all the philosophies of unbelieving men combined. And the crime of the ages is not the murder of individuals, now characterizing and cursing modern society, but it is the sinister, devilish, damnable doctrine now lurking in the halls of every university in the land and of all civilized lands and seeking by smooth speech and in the name of science, falsely so-called, to destroy the faith of men in God and in His Son, Jesus Christ, and in His revealed will, the Scriptures. What is going on is the sinister plot 
to destroy the faith of God's people. And all, most of your programs you have on TV and in a lot of your movies it is to wipe away everything you hold dear so that you'll have a different view on marriage. So you'll think that shacking up is all right. It's all right to have kids out of wedlock. It's okay to be married, divorced, and remarried a thousand times. It won't matter. Nothing matters anymore. There is no right and wrong. And so it becomes acceptable in society. And there's a lot of other things that I could say. But I just want you to know I'm holding back. I um, want you to take your Bible and look in 1 Corinthians in chapter 1. Just turn to your left, 1 Corinthians and chapter 1. The power of God is the gospel. Now, you can't go back and change everything, but when you hear the truth, you can correct some things. And I marvel at those who decide from now on, for the rest of my life, I'm God's. I know Christ is my Savior, and I want to serve the Lord and do right, and God will bless. But you've got to have truth. If you don't know truth, you cannot discern the error. Down at the bottom of the page here, this book, Heresies Exposed, is one that I got in my office, and I got a lot of good stuff that I get from it. And I use a lot of it in teaching cult evangelism and so on. Uh, very good. I highly recommend it. Number one, facts more, most important to remember when dealing with an atheist. Although facts can be presented to show a reason for your faith, remember your commission is to give the gospel, and your purpose is to win the soul. It may seem foolish to them, but it is the power of God. Look what he says here in this verse. Look in verse 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish its foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Now, when you're talking to somebody that doesn't believe in a God, it's not like talking to somebody that doesn't have faith. I've been criticized by some when I would debate in some of the public schools in Colorado. And uh, I'm talking along and doing a pretty good job, I thought, you know, against creation and evolution. Creation versus evolution. And the one teacher stood up and he says, hey, hey, ho, 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 hold it right there. We didn't ask you to come in here and preach your religion. I said, you asked me to come and present the other side. I said, that's the only other side there is. I says, atheism, you have to believe in evolution. If I present the other side, i got to present God. It's the only alternative. And the reason you don't want me to do that is because the only alternative to God is evolution. I says, you don't want me to use the Bible. I says, right here on your desk, there's about 20, 30 books all on evolution. And you say, you don't want me to be, believe the Bible and use the Bible because it's uh, written by man. I said, well, la da da. Who wrote these? <laughs> you can put your faith in these books. Why can't I put my faith in these 66 books? And the kids were going, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> All over the room. So he's going to ask me to leave. He says, uh, I was going to have you here for three classes, but I just changed my mind. This is your last class. I says, so you don't really want these kids to hear the other side? And the kids turn around, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so he says, all right, 
So he brought in two more classes, and they all put them in there together. They're standing around the room. And several other teachers that were the elites, they're scientists. They know. So I talked to them about the Cro-Magnon, the Heidelberg man, the Pentecentipus Erectus man, and the Pentecentipus man. I talked about all like that. So I, I knew all about those bones that they found. And so I went through some of that, and I went through some of the things that I knew would just blow their mind. So I asked him, I said, what part of ontogeny was recapitulated by phylogeny? <laughs> and they, they, they don't know. And so I got down to more serious stuff. And by the time I got through, the kids were so glad. And I gave an invitation right in the classroom. And some kids trusted Christ as Savior. Blew their mind. All the teachers were just as mad as a hornet. I figured, I mean, never get back. And I didn't. <laughs> so while I'm there, mm, right between the eyes. But, you know, if you know the truth, you can make a monkey out of some people with hard, cold facts alone. But look down here at this verse. When he makes a statement, the preaching of the gospel is the power of God. You may win an argument, but you don't want to lose the soul. And so, if you will, look there on the next page. A lot of people claim to be an atheist, and they're not an atheist. They're just looking for somebody that can maybe answer a few questions for them. And here's a, a few things. A letter A there, number two. When dealing with an atheist, it is not a question of you, with faith, talking with someone who has no faith. You see, the believer and the atheist are both exercising faith. Atheists believe there is little or no evidence, so they do have faith that there is no God. So you say, I don't believe there's a God. There is no God. You have to have faith in something that makes that statement legitimate. What is your evidence? What is your evidence? Understand this. The world is God's evidence. It's the evidence there's a God. Because the world is here. It's either somebody made it or it made itself. And as Spock would say, that's logical. But it's not logical to believe that something came from nothing. So if an atheist is going to prove that there is no God, he can't use the world because that's God's evidence. Present your own evidence. Well, what does he have for his evidence? Nothing. What do they start with? Nothing. Because, see, we start with God. What do they start with? Nothing. Now, which makes more sense? Something came from God or something came from nothing? See, don't be intimidated by anybody who thinks they're a scientist or an archaeologist. By, by the way, did you hear about this one woman? She became an archaeologist because she'd do anything to dig up a man. <laughs> See, where did that come from? It just came. Now, Look there in Hebrews chapter 11. I want you to see this in your Bible. Hebrews in chapter 11. You want a good definition of what faith is. The Bible tells us what faith is. But there in your notes under letter B, every man has faith. Because every man has the ability to trust. Some of you trust your husband. Some of you trust your wife. Some of you don't trust at all. Uh, some of you can trust your kids. And sometimes you can trust that 
pew to hold you up, then you can trust that person that you work for is going to pay you at the end of the week. You, you trust all the time. You've got faith. That means the ability to trust. So everybody has that. You can trust, you know, your good works to get you to heaven, but it won't work. You can trust the Ten Commandments to get you there. It's just not going to work. So if you trust Christ, that'll get you to heaven. Why? Because he has the ability to do it. So everybody has faith, the ability to depend upon something else or whatever. So we all demonstrate that faith. But look at this statement on the letter B. I'll put a few things here in bold and a few in a parenthesis, but I want you to get it. The atheist puts his confidence, faith, in man. What man says is his evidence. And the believer puts his confidence, faith, in the Lord. What God says, his word, and what he did, the world, is his evidence. So my evidence is God's word and God's world. So I've got a lot of evidence to believe in God. Though God may say some things in his word that I cannot prove, but because he's been right on everything else, I can take him that he's trustworthy. He is worthy of trust. Now, what evidence does the evolutionist have? An atheist, what is this evidence? He can't use fossils because no fossils prove evolution. None. There are none. They're all phonies. They're trying to make it prove something that doesn't. If I came from an ape, don't. If I came from an ape, where's all these intermediates in between me and the ape? They say, well, we came from something like a common ancestor. Oh, good. Which one? Where is he? Well, they say, well, it's a, it's a missing link. No, the whole stupid chain's gone. It's all gone. There, there is no links. You see, everything reproduces after its own kind. I was out there just a moment ago. I was looking at those little ducks that were out there by the mailbox. And they're just sitting there. Pretty little ducks. And I looked at them and I thought, I wonder who taught them how to reproduce after their own kind. You know, the Bible says that they do that. They reproduce after their own kind. But I wonder which duck decides, hey, I'll be the male, you be the female. By the way, I'm speaking on that stuff tonight. That's part two tonight. Uh, got some good notes on that. But the atheist needs to get his own evidence. So what does he got to have? He has to start with nothing. And since nobody has ever seen anything come from nothing, it takes a big miracle to believe that there is no God. And I told him atheist one time, I said, so you don't believe in God? He said, no, I don't. I said, before you can make an intellectual decision... He said, well, you can't know anything for sure. I said, are you sure? <laughs> I says, if you're going to say there is no God, I said, then you should have the ability to be everywhere at the same time to prove God isn't there. And if there's something to know, you should have to know everything there is to know because for something that you don't know could be the knowledge of God. I says, can you qualify either one of those? I said, you can't be everywhere at the same time. And wherever you aren't, might be where God is. And you don't know everything, so it could be that you don't know the knowledge of God. So unless you can do that, you can't say positively, there is no God. 
prove to me God does not exist. See, they always want me to prove that God does. No, 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 no. You prove he doesn't. Anyway, you can have a lot of fun with it. Look at the next statement. He says here, if one, I got it in quotes. It's a little quote that I wrote. I thought you'd like this. If one man believes there is a God and another that there is no God, whichever holds the most reasonable evidence of the opinion should be deemed more credible. And I thought that was pretty good. I think you ought to highlight that. But here in the book of Hebrews, in chapter 12, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence, evidence of things not seen. You see, it's based upon the one you're trusting. I have never had God lie to me. And reading and studying His Word, and studying it for 55 years, I have no problem with what God says. And the world and the Word has to agree. And the Word tells me things that's going to happen in the last days. And isn't it amazing after 2,000 years, one nation, God says, will go back to the land, become established as a nation, happens to be the nation of Israel, and they did. And God says in the last days, there's going to be trouble brewing because of Russia and Iran and Iraq and Syria and all the Names them. Just a coincidence. And yet there's many scientific statements that are made in the Bible and medical facts made in the Bible. And nobody can disprove anything God really says. That's what he says. And in spite of all of that, I don't have to prove God to anybody. God has placed eternity in our hearts. And God says, man knows that he's a sinner. Man knows he needs to be righteous and he's not. Man knows he's going to be judged. And because you don't know the answers on all of those things, atheism has to be taught. Atheism has to be taught. And this is why these things are so important. So I want you to take your Bible and turn to the book of Romans in chapter 4. The book of Romans in chapter 4. But before we get down there, I just want you to be ready. Look at letter A. What he is saying is, since neither can actually prove whether or not there is a God, the evidence should be weighed. The person holding the weakest evidence is the person who is exercising blind faith. When you don't have any evidence that demands your position, blind faith. But see, we don't work on blind faith. You see, when God says something, He doesn't lie. He speaks the truth, and truth is the facts. So when I believe what God says is truth, I'm believing the facts because nobody had been able to disprove God. When he says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, who was there to say he wasn't? Who was there? God says he was. Now disprove that and say he wasn't there. How are you going to prove that he wasn't there? Well, the atheists say, well, you know, there was nothing. And all of a sudden, these gases came together, and boom, there's a big bang. And all of a sudden, there's a blob of protoplasm floating around in the ooze of the Nile. All right. Who documented that? Where did the four gases come from? Remember this atheist who's going to have a debate with God? He says, I can make a man from the dirt. God says, okay, we'll have a contest. 
So God reached down and got some dirt and made a man. Atheist got down there and got some dirt and God said, no, 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 no. Get your own dirt. <laughs> man can't even make dirt. I don't have a problem with believing that there is a true and living God. And this belief in God lets me know that I'm accountable to God. And knowing this and believing this affects my whole life. You see, when God's word says, love your wife, well, because of who God is and he made me, I think he has the right to tell me what to do. So I love my wife. And he tells me to keep your nose clean and stay out of trouble and uh, then, then, then that's good enough for me. You see, it, it developed my morals. It, what's right and wrong. It gave me principles in my life to live by. It affects how I think and feel. My whole purpose. I know where I came from. I know who I am. I know what I'm doing. I know where I'm going. Take the Bible away and uh, atheistic belief. You don't know anything. As they say sometimes, you don't know Jack. See, I know Jack. I led Jack Matthias to the Lord years ago. So here in Romans in chapter 4, look what he says in verse 19. He staggered. Talking about Abraham in the Old Testament. He staggered not. Oh, excuse me, verse 19. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. When he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to perform. What he promised, what he said. And he performed what he did. See, God is somebody we can believe in and trust in. We can go by what he said. We go by what he did. This is why, based upon the evidence that Jesus Christ came back from the dead, by many in Fallible proofs, that's evidence. So once I believe that, it's easy for me to believe what he said about that. And he says that he died to pay for my sins. I believe it. I wasn't there. I don't have to be there. I just have to observe the evidence. What God said and what he did. And when you stop and think about it, it makes pretty good sense. That no man can save himself. No man. And that all that we have to do is to believe on Christ and he would give us as a free gift everlasting life. Look up here. You could go on and on and on on this stuff, I know. But all good things must come to an end. So I will start wrapping it up so that you don't have to hurt your neck looking back at the clock. <laughs> I am so compassionate. So compassionate. Look up here. All eyes are up here, except those who's got that kink in their neck and can't get it turned back around. All right, this hand represents you and me. The wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. We are all sinners, and I described that to you a while ago. I mean, we're really bad. When you consider how holy God is and how sinful we are, we're really bad. But God says that He loves us. He loves all of us, but our sins. Keep us out of heaven. Only perfect people can go to heaven, and there's nobody perfect. So because of all of our sin, we have to pay for them. 
The wages of sin is death, and that's why every man's sin is appointed and every man wants to die because of it, and then after that to judgment. So that's not the end of man. Just because he died, that's not all. There's a judgment. A great white throne judgment where all those who have rejected Christ as Savior will stand at the great white throne judgment. But you see, if you'll only understand this, God says that he loves us, and so he would do something about this sin. So he sent his son, Jesus Christ, God's son, into the world because he loves us, hates our sin because it separates us from him. Jesus Christ took that sin, paid for it on the cross, and came back from the dead. He said if we would believe he did it for us, he would put this payment to our account, and we would get to go to heaven on what Christ did for us. You don't earn it, you don't work for it, you can't buy it. Eternal life, having eternal life, is the gift of God. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. You see, if I offered you my wallet and you accepted, you'd have an empty wallet. And if I offered you this pencil and you accepted, you'd have a pencil. Well, if Christ walked in here right now and offered you eternal life and you accepted, you would have eternal life. If it's eternal life, it would last forever. And if it lasts forever and all of your sins are paid, where would you go when you die? You go to heaven. So can you know you're going to heaven before you die? Yes. I have known that for 55 years. I'm only 55 years old. In my second birth. My first birth is just a couple years older than that. But if you trust Christ as your Savior today, God will give you eternal life today and never cast you out and never lose you. And you can know that you're going to heaven whenever you die. That's the best news in all the world. So if you are an atheist, you have nothing to stand on. There are no evidences for you not to believe that there is a God. Because all the evidence prove that there is a God. The world is here. The word of God is here. Disprove either one from what God's word says. And there's nothing for you to believe in. You do it by choice. Because you want to. Not because of the evidence for it. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I pray that you would. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around. With heads bowed and eyes closed. I'm not going to have you forward. not going to embarrass you. But right where you're sitting... Would you right now just talk to the Lord and say something simple like this? Lord, I, I know I'm a sinner, but I believe that Jesus Christ died on that cross and paid for my sins. And by my trust in Him, believing that, you promised me the free gift of everlasting life, and I believe you. And so right now, I trust Jesus Christ as my Savior. And friend, if you'll do just that much, God said He would save you, and you can know that you're going to heaven when you die. So in the quietness of this moment... Is there anyone at all say, yes, preacher, that made sense to me, and I'd like to trust Christ as my Savior, and I'd like for you to pray for me in closing. Would you just slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down? Is there anyone at all? Anyone at all? If you've already trusted Christ, you never have to do it again, but if you've never done so, would you do it right now? You don't even have to raise your hand. It's just that that just lets me know, and I'd like to have prayer for you. But we don't want people to be embarrassed. If you're watching by Internet, you can also trust Christ as Savior right where you are. But we'd like to know if you'll just click on the little button Say yes, I trust Christ as my Savior. Our Father, we thank you again for your blessings. Thank you for all that you do for us. Thank you for our church and our good people. And Father, we do pray for our country that you give us some good leaders that would have some character and live by principles of according to your word and make wise decisions in order to preserve our country and our freedom so that we can lead a quiet and peaceful life. We ask your blessings upon the service now in Christ's name. Amen.